They shoot the shit. They shoot, they shoot the shit. Shoot, 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 shit, shit, shit. Shooting the shit with Chippa. Hey, everybody. Welcome back to another fun-filled episode of Shooting the Shit with Chippa. As always, I am your host, Chris Chipman, a.k.a. The Chippa. And before I get into my very special guest today, I like to thank my $15 or more a month patrons. This list has grown incredibly large since i started i expected it to maybe get no more than five people and now it's at 20 so here we go you are mason christopher finnick patricia chipman hugh k campbell jr alex peregrine kevin cv mike the gatherer tyler freshcorn mark price collaborating online alex shaw seth comfort seth decker andrew kraus little nicky robert v aldrich aaron moriarty carolyn thompson scott r curie and Stuart hansen Gusted, and to my newest patrons, Ralph Lund, Luke Donnelly, Tom Painter, Cassandra Ragucci, Carolyn Thompson, Brian Beshia, Patrick R. Young, Scott R. Curie, and Chris Charles. I could not continue to do this in good conscience without all of you. I know a lot of people like to disparage anyone's hobbies from being something that they can monetize. To you, I say kindly fuck off and get away from my podcast because I'm putting this out there again, number one, as a hobby. For, you know, my benefit, this is good for my brain, this is good for my mental health, and it feels good to create. But at the same time, those of you out there know how hard it is to make art or make content, and this has become something that takes up time. Luckily, it's time that I am able to figure out a way to work in without it affecting my family life. So if I can turn that into something that helps my family on top of helping you guys and giving you guys something good to listen to, then anyone that has an issue with that, you know, like I said, can kindly get the hell away from me and my podcast. This show, like a lot of other shows that I do, is brought to you by Skeeter Plays. One of my very, very best friends, Steve Brennan, has started a Let's Play channel over on YouTube. It's called Skeeter Plays. He plays weird video games with his friends. Get on over there and check it out. You'll enjoy it. And with that, Sam... My guest today, sir, introduce yourself to the internet slash my show. Well, my name is uh, Samuel Gallimore. I live in Irving, Texas. It's a, it's a bigger town in between uh, Dallas and Fort Worth. Yeah, that's me. Uh, I guess we'll get you know we'll kind of get to know you know you know get to know me more as we go along. Cool. Well, yeah, Texas, where I'm recording this right now, it's currently the day before Halloween 2020 yep. in, in the middle of um, pandemic land still. Um, and I'm being covered in snow. We were supposed to get light flurries this morning and it is still snowing the yeah, day I before Halloween. That. Hooray, New England. <laughs> um, yeah, and you're, can... you're in Texas. What's it like uh, where you are today? Uh, it's about 60 degrees and it's sunny. <laughs> last, Texas. The last about Texas five in days. October. Yes, Texas in October. Last about five days, it's been pretty chilly down into like the low or like the high 30s, 39, 40, which is cold for us this time of year. Yeah. Oh, yeah. That's actually even that's borderline on cold for us this time of year, too. Yeah. Um, we're usually in the high 40s, low 50s right about now. Yeah. Normally so, right now we'd be in the 70s. Yeah. Yeah. So it's it's wild. I've I've never been to Texas. Uh, I've been to Georgia, Florida, uh, basically every state on the East Coast. But yeah. um, it, it's one of those things, right? Like you fly to a place like Florida and you expect the difference. Yeah. But when you drive, it's way more gradual and really it straight. Is. Driving like four hours and then getting out of your car in like October and going, 
why is it 15 <laughs> degrees warmer outside now? Yeah. It is a really weird feeling. Um, we, we had friends that moved to North Carolina and we went to visit them um, and drove down and brought like the fall from New England with them, figuring, you know, <laughs> oh, they won't have pumpkins or leaves or anything. Now, granted, <laughs> granted, still bringing them stuff from New England meant a lot to them. You know, we brought them like cider donuts and cider and pumpkins mm. to carve. But they were like, dude, we can go to a pumpkin patch. Like, right. and, and in my head, North Carolina didn't have those things because in my head, North Carolina was Florida. <laughs> Yeah, you know, I mean, there's which also big, has those things. Yeah, I mean, you know, so we have some pumpkin patches here. I remember going to some when I was a kid, but most of the ones we have here are like just like big fields next to churches. Like, there's no actual yeah. like farm. It's just like they buy a bunch of pumpkins and they and they set them out and they call it a pumpkin patch. That's really funny because that's what we experienced in North Carolina. Granted, I'm not surprised. They drove us out on, you know, a hay bale, like, um, you know, car yeah. dragged us out to it, which mm-hmm. was cool. You know, I was like this, but it was still just an open field that they just bun- dumped a bunch of pumpkins they bought. Yeah. In, which is fine. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I mean, I don't even know where an actual pumpkin patch is where you can buy a pumpkin that's on a, you know, that's still on a vine. I don't even know if yeah. there is any of that around here. We have those. They're fun. I figured. I mean, because I know most of our pumpkins come from up north. Yeah. Now. Yeah, and it's it, it's wild, but um, so you know, we you know, for people that you know wonder, how, Chris, how do you find guests for this show? Um, cool people that interact with me and are awesome on the internet <laughs> is, is step number one. Um, and you have always been a very supportive, very good, um, friend on there. I know that you you're also very supportive of my brother. Yeah, who, who, who I do these shows with, and again, what um, what what brings you to today? Like, what's what? So, you, did you grow up in Texas? Yeah, yeah. I grew up in Texas. I was actually born in Gainesville. It's a small town right at the border of Oklahoma. I was I was in, born in there. Yeah, yeah. In I Texas. was gonna say shit. It's in Gainesville, Florida, because that's yeah, wild. Because that's <laughs> that's where my favorite band, Less Than Jake, is from, and where Tom Petty is from. And okay. like outside of those two things, I don't think anybody knows anything about Gainesville, Florida. <laughs> outside of those two, no, no. Bands. <laughs> no, it's Gainesville, Texas. Unfortunately, which is only known for really gangs and drugs. Ah <laughs> uh, yes, yeah. I could I could tell you some stories of growing up there. Like oh, I mean, we, hell, go for it. I mean, I grew up in Lynn, Massachusetts, which is one of the most hated cities in the entirety of Massachusetts. Yeah, because that's all it's basically known for. <laughs> so well, I mean, I I can tell you one real quick. This is a pretty quick one. I won't go fully in because honestly, I don't remember all of it. But I was like eight years old. This will give you a taste of who. You know, of, of who my dad was and what the town of Gainesville was like. I was like eight years old, and me and a friend were walking down the street and we're talking about something. Well, this kid, uh, uh, this kid rides by with a bike, and my friend says, That's my bike. And I was like, I was like, What do you mean that's your bike? He was like, Yeah, you know, that's my bike. I was like, How do you know? And he was like, Well, you know, it was stolen. Well, his bike had been stolen. So I was sitting there like, how do you know this is your bike? So he walks up to this kid, pushes him off this bike, right? Shoves him to the ground, takes his bike, and and we go to my house, and he stashes it in um, in the back of my house behind like a shed. So we come home, and I'm scared because I'm like, here we are. You know, we effectively just stole this kid's bike with no idea that it's his or not. Right. So we're in there scared, or yeah, a scared, afraid, excuse me. And uh, my mom comes in and asks what's going on. So I tell her what happened. 
And she starts going off on him because of what he did. And he's like, we have to wait for your dad to get home so you can talk to him so he can try and figure this out. So, of course, you know, it's the it's the you know, it's the horrifying hours, maybe like a two hours waiting for my dad to get home. Oh, yeah. Finally, yeah. So we finally get you know, he finally gets home and I'm telling him what happened and he's telling him, you know, and my friend's telling him what happened. And my dad's like, well, you know, more than likely he's going to come back. Or his brother's gonna come back, or he's, or like, or like their dad's gonna come back. So we're in there, and I remember looking out the window, and I saw this, this like older guy, probably like seventeen, coming down the street. And my mom and dad came out there, and they started talking to him. And I remember him going to take a swing at my dad. Holy and shit! My, yep. Yeah, and my mom grabbed him, like grabbed the kid. <laughs> right so they're like arguing back and forth and he leaves and my dad comes back in and my dad tells me and my friend to stay in our room to not do anything to stay in our room he's gonna handle it so i was like okay so i'm sitting there and i remember going out into the living room and and like sneaking out and watching my dad as he went into his room and got a gun it was a um it was a revolver and he loaded that he put that in his in his holster on his side, and he went and got a Tech Nine, which you know, uh, which is like a machine pistol. If you're not aware. Oh yeah. <laughs> and and he had a 30 round magazine for that, and he took that and and he put that beside him. So he's in so he's in the living room watching TV, and I, I don't know how long it was, but it was like maybe an hour. I don't even know. It was, this was a long ass time ago. Well, I see him get up. And he goes back outside, and, and I go to the window with my friend, and there's, like, maybe ten guys all coming down the, like, you know, literally, like, you know, from, like, a movie, coming down the middle of the street with bats and with chains and with shit like that. And my dad walks out in, you know, and my dad walks out in, into, the little, in, in, into, the middle of the, into the middle of the road, and they're like throwing words back and forth. I can't hear him. Well, the guy starts to walk towards my dad with a bat, and my dad pulls out the gun and aims it right at him. Of course. And and I distinctly remember him yell, you know, you can keep coming, you know, if you want. I have enough bullets for all of you. Shit. And they're and they're throwing gang signs and all that. And of course they leave because here's a guy who has you know who has guns and all you have is like bats and shit. And they, so they, they, they really, I've, I've always loved the mentality of that, uh, of someone who's a friend or a part of our group stole a bike, gets called yeah. on it. And yeah, yeah we're, we're going to go <laughs> beat the crap out of a kid and his family over yeah. a bike. Over a bike. <laughs> well. Oh, the, shit. The, uh, the, uh, the very next day we actually moved from Gainesville. The very next day we packed up everything we had and. And and we moved to Irving, where you know where I live now, because the very next day there was actually a drive-by on that house. <laughs> oh no, shit! Yeah, the very next day there because because all those guys are part of a gang, and that kid was the brother of one of them, and he went and told them what happened. So they were gonna, you know, and like you said, you know, you know, they were gonna come down here and kick the shit out of my mom and him and me probably, except my dad wasn't someone to be fucked with, you know, you know. You know, my dad didn't have any right owning guns, but you know, in that one instance, it's actually better that he did. 
Well, I mean, and, and you know, it's, it's it's the one thing. Your dad also didn't walk out into the street and just start firing no, no. random people. No, that didn't. was 100% a defensive maneuver. Yeah. Like, yeah. hey, by the way, yeah. <laughs> do you know who you're about to fuck with? Exactly. Like, that's, that's what that is. <laughs> yes, it very much was that. Oh, it's it's a very different world now. But I I, I grew I grew up my my family didn't own weapons. Um, yeah. But but very similar things had to happen. Um, mm-hmm. I I remember I remember my brother one time when I was he was in kindergarten or he was in like second grade or third grade and I was in kindergarten and there was a you know kid that had to get lifted by his shirt and pushed against the wall while I mm-hmm. you know like um, added extra um, <laughs> tears. To me being upset about that kid bullying me to my teacher so she didn't look and my brother was not an intimidating person at the time he is now but at the time he was a little string bean but that kid did not mess with me again yeah <laughs> and it, i i miss stuff like that you know no no one i mean obviously someone definitely could have got hurt in either scenario yeah. but i i love situations like that where it's like you know Family street justice is not really Literally. a thing that that really is accepted or happens anymore. And I love thinking back to, you know, like I, I remember a time my buddy I was in his backyard. We were throwing snowballs at cars, driving by, yeah, I've done and that. and wasn't a good, wasn't a smart idea. You know, someone could have got really hurt. But my buddy did not tell me he was putting rocks in his uh, snowballs. Of course, I used to do that. So he yep. so he broke someone's windshield. And I was in the house, like getting a drink or something. And all of a sudden I answer the door and there's this really pissed off guy who breaks in through the door and comes in the house. And I'm like, Sean, what the hell did you do? (laughs) And luckily his father, same thing, comes out with a baseball bat beside him and goes, okay. He goes, what did my son do? He told him and he goes, all right. He goes, get the hell out of my house and I'll take care of my son. (laughs) You know, send me a bill for your damn windshield. Move along. You know, crazy. And he turned around and just kind of laughed and he goes, please don't do that again. Right? <laughs> and I'm like, you serious? Dude? Are you serious? Putting ro- I mean, we all did it. We all did of stupid course. shit. Yeah, I know I did. Jesus. I, you know, I look back at some of the shit I did as a kid and I feel bad. Like, I legitimately feel bad. Here, it's been like, it's been like 19, 20 years plus but I still feel bad because I'm like, man, I ain't convinced the fuck out of them. You know, I did. <laughs> well, yeah. I mean, there's, uh, I, it's amazing. It's amazing across the world that more children don't unintentionally cause the death of thousands of other children it, around them. Just by, just by ignorance, by just being stupid and young. It's only because kids don't have access typically to things that allow that to happen. Yeah. If you would have, you know, if you know, if at seven you gave me a fucking rocket launcher, I promise you, I would have done you know, you know, somewhere out there, you know, somewhere out there there'd have been a house that would have exploded. I promise yeah, you, it would have course. happened because I was stupid. Of course. <laughs> Hell, I watched I watched my dad and my dumb neighbors light an entire march on fire accidentally with a Roman candle one time, and I just kind of went. And us kids are sitting here going like, "Wow." <laughs> like all I did was like break the gl- the the picture window in the house earlier right? this year. This is way worse. <laughs> way worse. It was like for the, you know with me as a kid, I wasn't really a like um, I wasn't a leader. Like in my group of friends, I was always the one who just went along with you know you know with what everyone was doing. So it's like any kind of fucked up shit they did. 
you know, I was always there. And it's like, there was one time we were in this little, this guy's, he had like a ton of land. He was sitting on like, maybe like 30, 30 acres of land. Jesus. And he, yeah. And he had this, uh, like wooden shed out a good distance from, you know, uh, uh, beyond his house. Nothing ever happens in those sheds. No. (laughs) Well, my then friend, I don't even remember him. You know what his name was, but he said he thought that that guy had porno mags in his house or in that shed. And I was like, I mean, do you want to get them? He was like, yeah, I want to see if it, you know, yet again, I was like maybe eight, maybe seven or nine. Uh, like, before the, before the yeah, internet, dangerous exactly. place we shouldn't go might have porn. <laughs> Let's go find it. <laughs> it was important. Like, you know, it's like now. Oh, no, know, I, I know. You know. Kids don't know what it was like. You know, you had to hide one in your room it's like now you know you know now every 10 year old has a freaking phone in their hand you know so we sneak into this shed long story short we didn't find any porno mags but we found many many drums of paint thinner and paint thinner is highly flammable if you're not aware you know Uh you know the people well we ended up somehow burning that shed to the fucking ground like we, oh, you know, Jesus. You know, we built this small fire that very quickly grew out of control. And there was nothing we could do to fight it. Cause I mean, you know, you know, you know, I was like, sure, I know how to fight a fire, you know, for like, you know, you know, uh, you know, with extinguishers, but not like by hand. So the only thing we could do was we just sprinted across this open field and like went and ran behind this grove of trees and watched as this thing burnt to the freaking ground. And things I don't think he was home because no one ever came out there. It literally just burnt to smolders and we got tired of watching and then we left. Like as far as I know, no one ever came to fight that fire. It just burnt until there was nothing left to burn. <laughs> wow. Yeah. I yeah, that's, the, the... The porn mag thing is is always really funny because everyone has that story of a random shed. Of course. Either somebody knew the guy or, mm-hmm. like, they just, just assumed. But there were always porn mags in the freaking shed. Like, <laughs> you know, it's usually also, like, you know, it's always, you know, it's someone's, like, dad. It's someone's dad had them well, when he was younger or something, you know. I remember one of my best friends had a similar situation where... You know, it's like, you know, th- there's 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 a bunch of playboys in, in, in the shed. And later in life, you find that the dad was like, yeah, he goes, you know, I figure you got the kids are going to find him at some point anyway. He goes, yeah. so I put the tame So I put the tame stuff there and kept all the real gnarly stuff in the attic. <laughs> and it was like, all right, that's wow. really funny. Like the hustlers go in the right. attic. But the- yeah, of course, you know, the actual hardcore shit, you know, that's pretty good. Uh, oh, I a- just that's so funny. I know I had a friend, I had a friend who, uh, um, well, uh, he was more of a friend of a friend. He was never my friend. He was a friend's friend. But, uh, one time, uh, one time I came over to his house and I, and he was legitimately like sitting on a couch with his then like six year old son. And he was looking through a playboy with him. Oh, and I remember being like, that's weird. That is very weird. Like, I, I, I can appreciate you don't want to, like, be a prude and you want to teach your kids about nudity and about, you know, yeah, yeah. tasteful nudity oh, yeah. and such. But I don't know about sitting with a six-year-old boy and, like, looking through a Playboy. It's like, doesn't that, like – I, I would, 
I think that's, that's a little borderline. uncle touchy. That's a little uncle touchy for, yeah, for my like, for my taste. I thought it was weird, but I mean, he was a good dad, and as far as I know, he's still a good dad. But I just even I you know, eyes for being like that's really weird. Like I, you know, I don't think that was you know, I don't think it was appropriate. But you know, I don't some have kids. some people. I mean, I, I I know a lot of people from Europe, um, who grew up just like yeah, no, that that shit was just everywhere because people yeah. just didn't people didn't. It, it, there was no um. There was nothing societal that said that there was anything wrong with that. So I mean, you know, yeah, because but, in America, but I, I still, but I still also don't think in you know in Europe a dad is sitting down reading a Playboy to their six year old. I, <laughs> I can't imagine. I can't imagine happens in Europe. You know, I you know maybe like Alabama. You know, maybe Alabama. Oh. Maybe you know. <laughs> yeah. Oh, Alabama. <laughs> I can say that I'm from the South. I can say that. No, that's what I'm saying. I I I, I only know I only know stories. I'll I'll let the, uh, you know, it, it's kind of like I always say. You know, like I can make fun of Lynn because I'm from there, exactly. but I'll defend Lynn to the end. But exactly. I I I would hate to. I would not get a Southerner on here and start talking trash about it. But if you go, if you go, no, as a kid from Texas and who's been around the block in Alabama, no good. It's like okay, I'll buy it off of you. <laughs> Yeah, that's 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 where the scary people are. As we say about Western Massachusetts, there be dragons here. They're like that's the- <laughs> good. I like that. Western like Massachusetts that. is hilarious. It 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 is like it looks like the damn um sh- not even the Shire. It looks like the mountains. Really? It, it's it, yeah. The, the Western Massachusetts is like the people live there, but I don't know if they live in houses. You know, what huh. I mean? like they, they, wow. it is a weird place. Like there's like a two or three hour block of time between civilization and Pennsylvania that like you do. It's very weird. That That's where like all the weird ghost stories in the state come from. Is it like, I mean, is it, is it akin to like the, you know, uh, like the Appalachia kind of situation? Yeah, It's like, it's like that or like really, really, really Northern Maine and New Hampshire where it's yeah. just like, it's it so never really, yeah, it ne- you have to drive through it to get to another state, but they didn't really yeah. do anything with it, okay. <laughs> you know? Yeah. It's, it's odd. It's odd because people think of Massachusetts as Boston. Of know? course. Of course. And I, mean, um, <laughs> and I mean, Texas is the same way, right? You can't stand in the middle of Dallas and then go, oh, yeah, I'm I'm in Texas. You know, no. it doesn't it doesn't have the right ring to it, <laughs> no. you know? Um, I mean, same could be. I mean, Atlanta is the same way. It's mm-hmm. like really, this is. I've, I've Georgia is, Georgia is beautiful. What yeah. happened to Atlanta? <laughs> you know. Yeah. Um, <laughs> I don't know, but no, it's 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 really fascinating. So, um, you know, obviously, we 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 are both fairly geeky individuals. Um, <laughs> from 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 what I know of you, but it is it is fun to talk to people who kind of get into the same stuff, but come from a different walk of life. Like I will yeah. not sit here and pretend that growing up in Texas is at all the same as growing up in, you know, on the, on the water in Massachusetts. Right. Yeah. But, um, you know, like, so, so what's more, how, how do we get to, to Sam today? Like what, um, you know, what was growing up like, you know, obviously, you know, having a dad that would be willing to risk a gunfight with a gang yeah. is a pretty badass <laughs> story. So <laughs> how do you get like, you know, what, what was it like? I mean, because I mean, I'm, I'm sure I'm sure you've had a you've had an interesting life. Yeah. I mean, growing I mean, growing up in Gainesville, it. I look back at it, and there's some of it I regret, or I don't really regret. There's some of it I, you know, if I could have changed, I would have, obviously. But I also look at it like I had, you know, I experienced things that most. I mean, obviously, 
you know, a, a lot of kids did that grew up in like, you know, perhaps smaller southern towns. But like the biggest thing, you know, with growing up was like I had that entire city or that town to myself. Like I was like six years old, seven years old, my bike, and I rode around that entire town, you know, by yeah. myself. And, you know, I look at my niece and nephew and say, they don't experience that. You know, my niece is 12. My, you know, my nephew's almost seven. And it's like when I was seven, I was in downtown Gainesville. I was in the middle of the country. I was doing my own thing anywhere I wanted to go. And, you know, by product, that was actually not a good thing because I got into a lot of fucked up, you know, shenanigans. Oh, yeah, no, I was I was talking to someone the other day. Um, You know, we had a chain of um, of. Uh, convenience stores called Little Peach, and they're all Seven yeah. Elevens now. But mm. you know, Lynn, Lynn, again, I, I, I grew up in a fairly nice part of the city, and I live in a fairly nice part of the city now. But the fairly nice parts of the city are pockets. You yeah. know, you, you go down the street, you're in gang country. You go down this part of the street, you're in, you know, um, really battered, you know, low rent housing. You go over to, yeah. you know, so it, I mean, and, and again, there's nothing to say stereotypically that that makes it a bad part of town, but there were bad people mm-hmm. and you, you could get mixed up in it pretty easy. But I remember like a rite of passage, even though my parents were very protective. I mean, they sent us to parochial school for Christ's sakes, Oh wow. but a rite of passage of being like 11 or 12 years old was you have a sleepover with your friends and the, the little peach is open till midnight and sure. Yeah. Here's some money. It's 11 o'clock at night. Go walk a mile and a half to the right. little peach. And you go, are you like, I think about that even now. And as a 37 year old adult or 36, however old I am, I right. would be concerned taking that walk right now. And I'm a big dude. Yeah. And I was like 12 years old with one other friend, you know, <laughs> and, you know, around 14, we, you know, start sneaking booze and filling up a Sprite bottle with vodka tonics or whatever, you know, and right. walking the streets with a two liter full of, and I'm like, yep. are you serious? And my, and my friend would be smoking his mom's pot that he stole, you know, <laughs> we're just walking around like, what is, and like, I think now my daughter's five. I don't want her doing that shit till she's 40. (laughs) Mostly because she could die. Like Mm -hmm. we could have died. We could have got hit by a car. And I'm sitting there, but I still think it was cars. Oh no, I was too. I was too. (laughs) But I, I mean, their memories, I wouldn't change for the world, even though we were stupid. Yeah. (laughs) You know, very much. I mean, I look, I look back and I look at like, you know, you know, you know, like you said, we could have died. Like, you know, I put myself in legitimate harm. Like, I went into buildings that were abandoned that had, you know, that to this day are still abandoned. And back then, had been abandoned for 30 years. And I went all through them. And I explored and I found all kind of stuff. I'm like, but, you know, at any point, this building, you know, the floor could have given out from under me. I could have, you know, fallen, gotten killed. And legitimately, no one would have found me. I mean, forever. Ever. You know, until like maybe. 50 years from then, so like another 20 years from now, yeah. you know, where they, you know, they tear it down and they find these, you know, you know, these long desiccated bones and they're like, what the fuck is this? And it's like, oh, this is a six year old or seven year old who was killed and we don't know how because he was stupid, you know? Yeah. And, and then, of course, they're not going to think you were just dumb. No, so they're, they're surrounding your horrifying conspiracy right? of like, oh, <laughs> And then, you know, and then from then on, I'm, you know, and then from then I actually live, you know, I actually live eternally because then I'm a ghost story, you know? Yeah. You know, from then on, kids are going to be telling the story of, you know, the bones that were found, you know, at this site, 
and they're going to say I was killed by a serial killer who was on the trains coming from wherever. And it's like, you know, actually I was in here, you know, huffing paint, you know, speaking (laughs) of speaking of bones, (laughs) because these are the kinds of stories, because kids are less out on their own and don't just stumble upon shit anymore. When I was 15, there were these train tracks that at that point had been long not used and now mm-hmm. they're a walking path you know that takes you all through the city but at the time they used to be for the general electric the two general electric sites had these tracks that moved shit back and front and i used to go drive mopeds down there dirt bikes and stuff mm-hmm. and when it went really low you could walk under the train bridges and you'd find you know ch- money you know my change and coins and cool old bottles and That's you cool. know we'd, we'd go scavenging down there for stuff it was fun and like you know being on the ocean you'd find horseshoe crabs i've never seen a horseshoe crab in the wild except for under these bridges you see them really? at like aquariums all the time but huh. but it just it was it was funky to see like big horseshoe crabs just floating around in this in this water you know what i'm talking about like the ones yeah. that look oh, yeah. like parasites I know what they are yeah, yeah. like and they're so cool. And um we're rummaging around and we find legit bones. Oh shit. And so it still to this day doesn't sit with me well the explanation <laughs> for what the bones were because they legitimately looked like human bones. Yeah. There wasn't a skull, but you know there there was yeah. you know ribs and 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 when the police the police <laughs> came you know and we were basically told well you know, a lot of like butcheries and businesses here, you know, get cows and stuff in and they dump the carcasses in Come the water. On. They're not supposed to, but they do. And to this day, I still call bullshit on that. Like, I still think me and my brother found a corpse. I've and, like, seen, like, I've seen cows, you know, cow skeletons. Like, you've seen yeah. that. They're huge. Yeah. Cow bones yeah. are huge. This is what I'm getting you know, at. Farm- <laughs> Go ahead. No, it's just what I'm getting at. It's like, you I mean, and I've, I, respect and and would love to be helped by authority figures that are supposed to be there and have been before but that spawns back to you know my my privileged white guy distrust of authority that's my (laughs) thing of like i'm pretty sure i found a dead guy and you guys just covered it up (laughs) or they didn't care they just didn't you know it was so long ago they didn't want to have to deal with it this is with we we have to drive our kids to put them asleep at night oh wow and i get it during it's hard, you know, yeah. but one, one of them is autistic. She has a hard time getting the melatonin going and going to sleep. So we, yeah. we drive them around. At least they're asleep at the same time. But we have to drive through Lynn. And yeah. I know police have a lot to deal with right now with COVID and everything else. But mm-hmm. there's these two kids on mopeds not wearing helmets. And again, do whatever you want to yourselves, even though that's the law. But they're driving in and out of traffic and playing chicken with cars. Yeah. So I call the police just to say, hey, I want you to know about this now. I get it. You have a lot of shit going on, but the general public just lie to me. Tell me, yeah, yeah we'll look into it. Then right? they go, do you really think we're going to be able to deal with that right is now? That what they and, said, and I'm like, <laughs> my wife is sitting next to me. I don't speak. She goes, did they literally just say that? Wow. Like, was like, what the fuck? Like, like at least, yeah, you know, at least placate at least lie me. To me. Just placate. <laughs> you know, give me some sense of okay, you know, you know, things will be handled. <laughs> Because wow. now I'm going to think if I ever call with a real emergency and right. they go, oh, yes, sir, we'll take care of it. Are they just hanging up the phone and going, we're not fucking cool with that? <laughs> right. <laughs> you know, it's like, you know, you know, you know, again, you know they say we've had the idiot on the moped isn't going to kill themselves. They're going to no. kill the car they crash into. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Yeah. No, no, like you're the right. Drunk, the drunk driver rarely ever dies. 
but the Very family rarely. they crash into does. No, you're right. That's crazy. Uh, <laughs> yeah, but, but we're talking about growing up in the time period where cops right. still just drive you home if they pulled you over for drugs. Oh, yeah. I, oh, God. And talking about bones, it's like the time that I found a skeleton. And this was actually human skeleton. Like, it had a skull. Oh, no. Uh, me and my friend at the time, Tori, his name was Tori. We were like nine and we were exploring and like down a ways from our house, like a good, good several miles down, there was this grove of trees and there was this like long strip of concrete, like out in the middle of nowhere, there was this long strip of, con- you know, of concrete. Uh-oh. I was like, I was like, what is that? That's weird. You know, I was like eight or nine. So I didn't know what it was. I always look back now and I'm like, you know, you know, it was an airfield. So we're going in this grove of trees. And first thing we find is we find a very old grave, like an extremely old tombstone. I, you know, I, you know, I was like, that's pretty cool. And then we find this like hatch in the ground. Like, oh boy. It was almost like a sewer, you know, it was almost like a sewer, uh, you know, a sewer access. But it, um, why there was a sewer out in the middle of this field, I don't know. Because we didn't go in there. I just thought it was weird. So we continue exploring this grove, uh, you know, this grove of trees. And we come to this small clearing in the middle. And, and you can see up on, like, the left-hand side, there's, like, this huge, like, rock wall. And there was a plane that had like creamed off of that small uh that small run uh that small strip Uh oh and and it had come to rest at the bottom of this like rock wall and the wing was broken and i remember being like holy shit like there's a plane like that's crazy so we go up to it and i climb up you know to look in the cockpit and there is a skeleton completely cleaned and I remember like being terrified because I had never seen anything like that. I'm terrified. I run home to my dad and we're telling him what we found. And my dad said that, yes, there used to be a runway there and they, and it was for drugs that, that, you know, a ton of drugs would, uh, uh, would, uh, you know, you know, would come from Mexico and then, yep. you know, you know, and then filter the rest of the United States. And he said, it must've been, at some point, something happened, and there and there was an accident, and they just packed up and left. They literally yep. just left that guy there dead. And what's crazy when you go to Google Image, you know, those trees are all gone. You know, you know, they're all gone. So I'm like, I wonder what happened with that skeleton. What if they found out who it was? You know, if that guy's buried, or if they had any kind of investigation. You know, <laughs> you have your own stand by me story, dude. Right, literally. Except- Except, you know, because we're having this podcast now and talking about it, the credits don't end so shitty for you and your friends. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) (laughs) That's the thing I always, I I, know, I I always love watching old nostalgic movies Mm -hmm. like that, though, and and going, you know, it it, it puts you in a good time and place in your brain to go, you know, yeah, we, we, we dealt with some screwed up stuff, but we're not at the point in our life that we look back yeah. At that from a shitty place, mm-hmm. you know. I always, I always feel bad when those movies are like, yeah, and then, and that was when life was good. And I'm like, yeah, life's. I mean, things are crazy now. Yeah, they're, they're not necessarily ideal, but life is still. <laughs> we're still living it. <laughs> yeah, it could be worse. It could be oh, it infinitely could be, worse. It could be infinitely worse. Yes. <laughs> um. 
so yeah so oh god we grew up with some crazy stuff so what i'm <laughs> so 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 texas um so you, Gainesville, when did you make it to Irving? You said you were like what, like 12, 13? No, no I came you... to Irving. I came to Irving. I actually turned 10 in Irving. So I moved gotcha. here like at at around nine. Yeah. Now were you growing up, were were you surrounded by because you, you said you were in between your pretty big area in between two pretty big areas. Yeah. Um were you uh you know, did you have like movie theaters, video rental stores? Oh yeah. Uh, or or okay, because you know, some you, you never know like oh no because because where i was you know we had to pipe all that stuff in no i i I remember you know like we would camp up in new hampshire Mm -hmm. and we met a family there and went back to their house and they didn't even have indoor plumbing and it wasn't like they were poor that's just new hampshire you know what i mean like and so it's like that we don't know what cable is we don't have video game systems like we hang out outside and it's like this is awesome. And so like I was running around with kids that had their own rifles and ran around the band. I'm like, this is wild. Yeah. Like, and again, but you know, other than that, you know, it wasn't, there wasn't anything wrong with them. You know, yeah. it wasn't like, a, it was just it's like, just, this is, it's a different walk of life. And exactly. so it's always, it's always good to, you know, like th- their son was a huge Beatles fan. His, his entire mm. like music was, I have a whole collection of John Lennon and Beatles records. And that's what I listened to. That's cool. It's like, you know, it's like we found a like carryover, even though, you know, they were perfectly knowledgeable about society and everything. Yeah. It's very interesting. Um, is. But Noah, so what, uh, you know, do, did you and your, did you have drive-ins? I, I sadly from my childhood didn't have drive-in theaters anymore because they're like an hour away. Yeah. But there are still a couple and we go to them now as adults. But, you know, I wish I had had that experience. There's a couple of drive-ins around here, but much like you, the closest one is like an hour and a half away. Yeah. You know, so growing up, we had movie theaters. We had uh, we had one called The Chateau, which actually I loved growing up. The Chateau was an amazing theater, and sadly, it just got torn down. They bulldozed, oh. the, in- they bulldozed the entire uh, shopping center down, and it's gone. And it was a great old theater. It Because uh, uh, literally, it had been there since like – like 1960 the same oh, you know damn. in the same location it had the old school marquee and everything whole thing gone and that really hurt me because i used to watch movies there with my dad i remember seeing uh i saw gone fishing there with him oh uh, nice gone fishing we saw lake placid there oh we saw uh, we saw so many movies there and then and then when it shut down uh it shut down many years later, and then like a and and like a few, and like a few independent places came and went, you know, throughout the years. Last you know, the last time it was open was actually an Indian theater, you know, for like Bollywood films. Yeah. And then it shut down, and now it's gone. <laughs> but you know, yeah, and of course we had like the, you know we had like the AMC. I'd go there. We had Starplex, which I don't know if you have Starplex up. Up north, no, I, like a, I know of Starplex though. Yeah, but yeah, we we don't have those. We our big ones are. Um... AMC showcase cinemas, and I think we have a few Cinemarks okay. around here. Those are the big ones. You know, you know, and sadly here pretty soon they'll you know, you know they'll probably be gone too. Yeah. So my childhood movie theater. So the because the, again I the Lynn downtown had an old theater that finally got bulldozed, but I never got to go to it. But mm. the surrounding towns still to this day have their old like Beverly has the Cabot and the Larkham. I actually got married at the Larkham, which mm. I thought was pretty cool. That's cool. We got married on stage at an old vaudeville movie theater. Yeah, oh, that that's was neat. Really cool. Yeah. That's awesome. Yeah, dude. It was it was so cool. And um, uh, you know, I saw like. My neighbors went to downtown, um, downtown, 
not Manchester by the Sea, Marblehead, and there's the Warwick Theater there, which is hmm. like super old fashioned. Like the, yeah, the I've seen that one. I've seen lights. that one. That looks awesome. Yeah, and we go. We used to go. I saw like. I think the two Beethoven movies that were released oh, in God. theaters there, the little yeah. rascals. Cause I was going with my yes. neighbor and their kids who were much younger <laughs> than me. But, okay. but, um, the, the showcase cinemas is where I saw my first, I, I can't remember because so Disney did a re-release of snow white and the seven dwarves when I was like two or three years old. Okay. And, and I don't remember if, because theaters used to, you know, one that would happen, a theater could would like still do like a matinee of a movie that Disney yeah. like had bought back. So it was either Who Framed Roger Rabbit when I was four years old, oh. or that movie that I saw in a theater. And the memory is both at that theater, and that was still when it was the old like showcase that had been installed in like the '60s or the '70s. So they replaced it with the new like stadium seating with IMAX screens and like all that in the early two thousands. And I remember, um, they kept the old building. So they were still running movies in the old building while they were finishing the new building. So you'd go into the new building to buy a ticket and then walk down like this hazmat hallway to the other building. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, And I saw the last movie I saw at the old ones was galaxy quest. Okay. Um, and it was so cool to see that movie and like an older beat up, you know, kind of get and and um, showcase through COVID and, you know, always had a sign up. We'll be opening back up, we swear. And they did. I won't go, of course, but of they course. did. But then they just announced that that location is going to be closing after, you know, <laughs> however many years. So it's like, yeah. oh, that's a bummer. That is a you bummer. Know? Yeah. Wow. I mean, they 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 aren't adapting. That's the problem. The, the, yeah. They're very stubborn. Uh, I don't blame the individual theaters. I blame the companies and yeah, the, for sure as a whole. But um, they're being very stubborn, and so uh, and it's not it's not the people being stubborn that are going to get hurt. You know, Chris mm-hmm. Nolan isn't going to lose his movie career. Of course not, because he's stubborn about putting his movie out. But, <laughs> but the twelve dollar an hour kid hawking the popcorn is twelve. That sucks. You know, yeah, yeah, and that sucks. Yeah, that kid lucky if he gets twelve. He probably gets nine. <laughs> yeah, no, yeah. exactly. Uh, Texas, I'm trying to be least. optimistic. I'm trying to be optimistic. <laughs> yeah. No, it, uh, I remember when I when I started working for Blockbuster, I made a uh, dollar less an hour than I made. If do they? I don't know if this is nationwide. There's a store around here called Christmas Tree Shop. If you're this, it's it's like a junk store basically. They, no. they it's it's like a it's like a it's like a thrift shop if it was selling new goods. You know what I mean? Like it's just yeah. it's random odds and ends, and they sell like really cheap party materials and like huh. uh, it, it, it's a, it's an old lady like shopping on a Monday morning kind of store. Yeah, and I worked I worked there because they paid great. They paid in. <laughs> 1999 they paid like 925 an hour that was good back then you know what i mean but oh no so so blockbuster i took a three i I went down to 625 an hour when i moved Hmm. to blockbuster but you know by the time i was a store manager a store (laughs) manager at 18 i made ten dollars and 80 cents an hour go me go you (laughs) As a store manager, wow! As a store manager, I was getting so screwed. They uh, <laughs> they looked right at you and was like, "Yep, that's the one." <laughs> and, I, and I did right. I worked my butt off for that place, but yeah, oh, and then then that was the most money I had ever had in my life. Right? <laughs> that's crazy. Uh, I actually because of Blockbuster, I bought all my cars cash when I was younger. Oh wow! I saved it that's all. Cool. Like I had I had like wow. six grand in my bank account. And just bought I bought a like nineteen ninety um uh. 
link not Lincoln Continental. Um, police interceptor Ford. Oh, oh uh, yeah, uh, car Crown, Crown Victoria. Victoria. Yeah. I had a police interceptor Crown Victoria. Holy shit, that's I cool. I bought it cash. The thing was awesome. That thing was a yeah. yeah that thing was trouble. a beast. Yes, it did. Granted, gas was a dollar twenty-five a gallon, of course, then, because this was before nine eleven. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, you know, it, it, but oh, it's wild. So, so you know, so what? Um, you know, what what gets us to Sam today? Like, I mean, what what what? You know, how is it like living in Irvine, Texas? How how old are you? Are you? I I didn't catch that. Um, I'm thirty four. Thirty. Okay, you're right around my age, right? Yeah. So, what's it right like? You. you know, what's life like now? Uh, life is, life isn't bad. Life could be better, you know, right? You know, of course, <laughs> but life isn't bad. I've, I've got a partner I'm with that I love. Awesome. You know? That's, that's number one important yeah. for, for the brain. <laughs> Very much. Very much. Um, uh, currently not, you know, you know, currently unemployed looking for a new job. So that's unfortunate, but you know, yeah, that is a bummer. Yeah. <laughs> But it's not too bad. I mean, it could be worse. I have family and friends that I live, you know, I live around and I live with, you know, I live with friends there, you know, you know, they're my roommates. But I mean, I do, I do a bit of writing. I've picked that up a bit more. Oh, cool. What, um, what, what, like journalistic fiction? Uh, it's fiction. And I, I kind of do them in like a, you know, super rough, nasty, uh, screenplay style. Yeah, cool. You know, that's how, you know, several years ago, me and a friend, we spent about almost two solid years, uh, you know, writing this huge saga of, of, uh, of, of screenplays. And, you know, so uh, over the past about two months, I've been reading, you know, kind of going back and rereading through all of that. And it's kind of got my, uh, you know, you know, you know, kind of have my writing muscles back in you know, shape a little bit. So I've been messing around with that. Nice. What, um, yeah. what was the, uh, the, the you, were they all connected? Like your big saga or was it, it just, was, or- no, no, it started out. It started out as just something, us just messing around with, uh, because we were donating plasma because we don't okay. plasma, you know, you yep. know, for, uh, uh, for weed, you know, for a uh, weed and beer, mostly, <laughs> you know, funny, funny, quick thing. Um, now that you mentioned donating plasma, I, you know, not, not for personal gain, even though I have donated blood for, for personal gain before, um, I had to do a, a glorified plasma donation. Um, I don't know if you ever heard of this, but, uh, there's a thing called be the match Hmm. and it's, it's one of those things that like comes to colleges, you know, on like field day or whatever. And it's like, Hey, sign up for this. You could save a life. And you don't really think about what you're doing, but it, it's a registry for bone marrow transplant. Oh, okay. And yeah. I got a call that I was a match with somebody. So, you mm. know, I, I, I signed up and I'm like, shit, I have to get like surgery for that. And they're like, well, yeah. yes, but we have a new method and we're wondering if you wanted to try it. And it's called apheresis. And they hmm. said, it's basically the same technology they use for a plasma donation, okay. except we, except we hop you up on the drug we give people on chemo that rebuilds their white blood cell count. But when we give it to a healthy person, it makes your, what the good thing we get out of your bone marrow spill out of your bones and into your blood. And we can take it out with plasma donation. So I got these shots for like a week and then went in and got hooked up to a machine for five hours and found out, 
you know, it's not an immediate thing they don't tell you, but found out six months later, I saved a guy's life who had who had leukemia. Wow. That's and, amazing. And he ended up he ended up calling me. Holy and like I got to talk to him and it's like I mean he was, you know, this a sad story to end all sad stories, right? You know, he had a wife and kids, he was the sole breadwinner for the family in like upstate Michigan. And he was out of work for six months because of this diagnosis. And I literally saved his life. Wow. That's and it's crazy. Like, that's Jesus, awesome. man. Like, and I'm like, uh, you know, I, and I mean, for whatever reason you have to do it, it just, that clicked in my head. Cause I can just picture you hooked up to the machine the same way <laughs> as me. And like, it was so wild. Like, and I, my wife brought movies cause I couldn't move, you yeah. know, <laughs> he like, said to mm-hmm. kind of sit there. I'm, I'm like, and that's the biggest needle I've ever seen in my life. Oh yeah. It's, it's huge. It's huge. Yeah. And, and I even said, I go, if you had told me, they go, that's why we don't tell anybody. They go, yeah. don't even look. It's all like, it didn't hurt. No, it, it doesn't no, hurt. It's no different. And that's the thing I've always tried to warn people. It's not the size of the needle. That's the problem. It's the person giving you mm-hmm. the, it very much. If is. they're good at it, if they're good at it, they you're can jam a feel fucking it. like one inch pipe into your arm and you're mm-hmm. not going to feel it. You know? Yeah. <laughs> but I know it also, you know, you know, it is true. We're like, you know, the, uh, the smaller, the needle, the more it hurts, you know? Yes. I've always experienced yeah. that because, like, you know, I've had a lot of shots in my past being in the hospital, and it's like, you know, small ones, those hurt like a motherfucker. But, like, six, almost seven years of, like, you know, because for seven years, I don't need plasma every other day for seven years. <laughs> nice. Hey. So. And, I mean, you you probably ended up really helping a lot of people, well, too. That's the craziest actually, because uh, because at that because at that plasma center, I'm actually on the wall of people who like donated more than five thousand gallons of plasma. Holy shit! <laughs> yeah, because I'm because for whatever reason they could get the most amount of plasma from me because it's like it was something like three hundred and thirty milliliters is the like you know is the maximum yeah. you can give. Yeah, and you know you know you know so like, you know so every single time I donated, I gave that. And the one day they came and they were like, "Hey, do you mind if I put you on the wall?" And I was like, "For what?" And she's like, "And she's like, well, it shows here you've donated like, you know, like, like four thousand nine hundred and seventy gallons." And I was like, "Holy shit! Okay, I guess you know, why not?" So now I'm on a wall, you know, for you know, for, you know, you know, and like you said, I'm sure it helped people. Yeah, and well, I, got I mean, that's from- why they that's why they do it. <laughs> yeah. Oh, that that's that's cool, man. That's, that's, that's wild. I, yeah. That's a lot of plasma. It was a lot. Like I said, <laughs> I, I look back and I'm like, I don't know if I had that much plasma in my body. I didn't even realize, but I mean, <laughs> well, I mean, it's, it's cool that they can, that they can do that. Yeah, it is. So, so you were, so you were donating a lot of plasma. So you wrote, yeah. so you were writing stories. Yes. What was yeah. it about that or? No, it just because, you know, because me and him, we would go up there and it was always like three hours. So we started yep. talking. You know, so we started talking. We started, you know, you know, we started talking about this story we had because we kind of talked about it over a bar, mm-hmm. you know, over drinks. So the next time we went to donate, you know, you know, uh, we were going back and forth with it, and we're like, you know, we should probably write this down just so we can get things, you know, you know, on paper, hammered out. Obviously, not on paper because you know it's modern times. So we sat there on our phones, and you know, uh. You know, so we texted back and forth all these different ideas, and then it turned, and from that it turned into, I think we had like, if you were, it's like seven feature length films worth of story, (laughs) and it's one massive interconnected 
like story all about really one guy. He's just called, uh, you know, you know, he's the main character, but he's kind of like tertiary. You know, he's the main character. He just, you know, you know, he's your one character through all of these different timelines because the right because because the story takes place as far back as like 1940 and then in, and then into the year uh, 2030. And, you know, and, you know, throughout these like long disparate timelines, this one character exists through all of them. And, and, and he's just called, and he, and he's, and he, uh, um, he, um, he's just called the man in white. Yep. Uh, we kind of called him Joe Manco from, uh, <laughs> you know, you know, obviously not officially because we can't use that, you know, you know, you know, uh, we always imagined like a young, uh, uh, young uh, uh, Clint Eastwood to play him. Nice. But like I said, it's just this long, interconnected story that takes place like uh, in like 1940s Africa during you know this like huge like diamond rush where these people bought this like massive diamond mine, you know, and you know, and they kind of were using you know uh, the native people as like a slave, you know, as yep, slave labor. Course. You know, to mine these gems, and they end up like getting a bunch of gems, and and they put it into a gun, and then it like it goes from there, and it goes all over the place, and it's kind of like a uh, kind of like a mafia story with like you know with like some uh, you know you know with some like slight horror elements, and you know and some comedy, and then the end is when it goes in like twenty thirty. And you meet the main character, and they're in space on like a prison planet, and they're having to like, and 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 then it's like a giant prison break movie as they're trying to escape from this prison that is like sitting in a low low uh, Earth orbit. <laughs> like I said, wow. You know, going back through, and I'm like, how did we write this? I was like, this is, like this was a lot. This was a lot of weed. This is a lot of late nights. And we wrote it for like two years, and we had it proofread, and we had it like fully finished, and then we never did anything with it. <laughs> that's so cool, man. Yeah. Oh, that's see that that isn't it? It's always fun to go back and chat. You end up pulling stuff like that out of the back mm-hmm. of your brain. It's like, yeah, this is a random thing I did. Yeah. But man, I spent a lot of time on it. <laughs> <laughs> yep. Like I said, there's well, that one. I, keep going. Go ahead. Oh, go I was ahead. just saying. No, I know. I was, and there's a couple other ones I did. I did one like I tried to do about about werewolves that was set, that was set in Jamaica. It never went anywhere. Personally, the longest one I did because I love Hellraiser. I love like you know it, um, anything Clive Barker does. I'm obsessed oh, yeah. with him. So when I was like when I was like 20, I wrote this like long, extensive story that was all set within a singular uh, 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 within a singular Catholic church, and it's all about the, you know this one Catholic church and their uh, and their their scandal with like you know sex abuse and they oh, turn yeah. you know that that thing that doesn't happen at all yeah. in the Catholic Church <laughs> exactly well their you know their whole thing was they you know you know they turned to the Cenobites and to Pinhead in an attempt to like you know cleanse their image of that. <laughs> so oh, you know yeah it was pretty dark it was pretty dark i read through that and i was like i had i had a i had a cenobite that was literally jesus christ coming off of a cross and i was like that's a little obviously if i were to write that now i'd probably like you know take that out because you know because some things are edgelord for the sake of edgelord because i was young of course <laughs> i'd still love to see an artist's rendition of that because that sounds yeah. badass <laughs> but you know but yeah but, that's 
Yeah, I, I can see looking back on it going, man, I was angry. Wow. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's because I saw it in the news and I saw it and like, you know, there was all the, you know, you know, uh, you know, um, everyone passing the buck, no one taking any actual, you know, responsibility for it. Well, my favorite um, of all these awful things was, you know, a lot of it, you know, originated over here in Boston. Right. So it's mm-hmm. like you think back to I went to Catholic school and I think back and go, I was alone many times mm-hmm. with priests. Yeah. And I'm going, have I repressed something? And right? luckily I went, I went back and, you know, it none of them were implicated and it, yeah. so it's like i mean obviously priests priests are just creepy in their own right but you know <laughs> it, it it just it's fine but yeah i remember like the priest that was there when i left got caught up in a scandal with it mm. and i was always like oh this is terrible and so you know i taught and the way that even the people from the school deflected it oh don't worry it wasn't with kids yeah of course and I go, oh, okay. Well, what was it? Well, he was at a bar, pro- um, uh, um, trying to, you know, pay money to, uh, you know, twenty-year-old girl and her mother to have sex with him. And oh I go, God. okay. So, so okay. So they're of age, and that makes it okay. He's a priest. Yeah, it's like, supposed to be some kind of moral authority, right? Like, like, like oh, Brandon, I mean, we're all human, you know. Yeah, of if course. You tell me a, if you tell me a priest is watching porn or a pre, you know, I, I'm not gonna like that. Doesn't immediately make me oh, they're a bad person. It, it, but that's still, if I went and did that, <laughs> that would yeah. not be okay. Like, It'd so why? So you're like, oh, it's perfectly fine. Like. What? Like you, you, you're comfortable with this person being around your kids? Like this. I like to imagine they said, you know. I like to imagine they said, you know, hey, you know, at least it's not kids, you know. And it's like, well, I guess if that is, you know, if that's the, you know, you know, if that's the thing that we're, you know, judging it against, I suppose where that bar is set. Exactly. There we go. That's what I'm trying to say. Yeah. Yeah. If that's where the bar is, okay, then yes, he's good. Uh, I mean, yeah, it's, I'm, I'm not going to write him off as being a terrible human being, I guess, per completely. But do I think he should still be the reverend of this church? No. no. <laughs> like, no, send him packing. It's not yeah. right. <laughs> Especially because he got arrested for getting belligerent with them when they Jesus. wouldn't accept his money. You know? It's, <laughs> ah! <laughs> but anyhow, um, you know, this has been an incredible conversation. This, yeah, is, this is why I do this. I, I would love to say we could do this for like eight hours, but oh, I, 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 I have to get to work, but I would like to one, thank you so much. Oh, thank you Two, let you know that you're welcome on anytime, you know, cause okay. it sounds like we could talk forever. And three, this is now your sounding board. If you have something to pitch something good to say, someone to say hi to you, whatever you want, this is your, your moment. Uh, I mean, I don't really have anything, you know, deep or philosophical just you know just be good to each other ultimately and that's the thing you know because people have it hard you know yeah you know, honestly even that person that you think you hate you know yep. that person that's being you know entirely awful you know just be good to them because maybe someone sees you being good you know <laughs> i that sentiment couldn't be any more clear yeah. Uh, to me in what I try to put out there and, I, and I'll I'll add to it by saying yes be excellent to each other particularly to the people that aren't being excellent to you yeah. um, and also vote oh of course yeah honestly you haven't voted now what the hell are you doing yeah I mean because Seriously. most states have a, you know because most states have early voting by now 
Yeah, I'm just, I like to say it. And I, you know, I, I, at this point, people that know who they're voting for know who they're voting for. So I won't yeah. I just, you know, my show, you, you know who I'm mm-hmm. for and I, but just get out there anyway, be yeah. do it. So, and don't complain about it after, if you know, that's all. Yep. <laughs> um, so anyway, dude, it, it, it's been great, Sam. Thank well, you for fun. shooting the shit. Thank you for shooting the shit with Chippa. Thank you all for listening and Thank we'll talk you. to you all soon.